Good afternoon, collectors. Thanks for joining us here. Episode five, Trading Card Therapy. I'm your host, the doctor, Leighton Sheldon, owner of Just Collect and VintageBreaks.com. Today's show is sponsored by both Bleaker Trading and Otia Sports. Thanks for joining us. So we have a few uh, topics uh, that we're going to cover during today's show, all having to do with trading cards and the therapy that we need to deal with the market as it stands. It's ever changing so fast these days because of uh, the constant auctions that are running, whether it be eBay, which is 24-7, whether it be REA, Heritage, and Golden, which seems like they're running big auctions all the time. A lot of action. So we're hoping to you know, slow some of the action down here on Trading Card Therapy every Tuesday at 12.30 Eastern Time. You can find us on our Just Collect YouTube channel, youtube.com slash justcollect. And every Friday, we do our audio drop with our good buddy Ken P from Vintage Breaks. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. So I was... Uh, Perusing Instagram, like many of us do these days, whether it be professionally or personally, for me, I have a lot of cards that come up in my Instagram feed. And admittedly, especially in the modern stuff, it really, you know, tickles my fancy. I really like some of the Kobe, the LeBron, the Michael, uh, the MJ, for those of you who don't know what I mean when I say Michael, uh, the MJ, you know, game used, whether it be autographed patch cards or limited edition sign cards things of that nature that came out of exquisite or upper deck or SP authentic brands of that nature. You know, some of that stuff visually is very appealing to the eye when it has two, three, and four colors. And it's also autographed. Of course, it's also numbered, adding to the allure. But we've talked about this recently on Trading Card Therapy, a topic called manufactured scarcity. And so I wanted to take that topic and interweave it with what some of these miniature, when I say miniature, you know, the swatches, the actual piece of jersey that's on these cards. And in some cases, the cards are also signed and some sometimes they're not. But it does seem undoubtedly when they're the big names like LeBron James, like Kobe Bryant, like Michael Jordan, they go for big, big dollars, whether it be on eBay or in some of those other auction houses I mentioned. The reason why I wanted to discuss this today is because as a collector, as a dealer, as an investor in, you know, this hobby and the space that I love so much. Um, personally, I see a lot more value in comparing what some of these upper echelon um, game used and or autographed jersey cards of some of the players I just mentioned are going for versus the entire full jersey, meaning NBA.com several times a year will auction off jerseys from their star players, including LeBron. MLB had stuff from this year's All-Star game. Otani was in it. I was thinking about bidding. I did not. I regret it. The point is, do yourself a favor. Whether it be somewhat new to this particular niche of the hobby, meaning the game-used and autographed jersey cards, whether it be you know RPAs, meaning the rookie patch autographs of that particular player, or just simply a cool design card that also has a swatch of that player's jersey. Imagine, you know, spending hundreds or thousands of dollars on that card and being able to get an equivalent whole entire jersey. Now, of course, it's not going to work 
every time comparing, let's say, what a LeBron James card, game used, autographed card goes for versus the full jersey, because it depends on, uh, in both cases, the jersey, what game it was from, how important it was, so on and so forth. Same thing with the card. But just keep in mind, and we were discussing this just a few minutes before we went game time, before today's episode five, is someone, let's say like Dominique Wilkins, who's been on our show, uh, VintageBreaks.com, before he opened a few packs virtually with us. He was a fantastic guest. And if you'd like to check out um, that pack break that we did with Dominique and that whole experience, you could do so on our Vintage Breaks YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Vintage Breaks. So when you consider that a game-used limited edition patch card of Dominique Wilkins, let's say numbered of 10 or numbered of five, meaning low numbered, would sell for potentially a couple hundred dollars. And then when you think about you can buy a nice replica Atlanta Hawks Dominique Wilkins jersey authenticated by PSA or JSA uh, for either the same, similar, or cheaper money, to me, it's fairly obvious as a collector even really as a as an investor, you know, as a dealer, it's different because, you know, you, you buy what you can sell for a profit. But I personally would much rather have the entire jersey signed. And I realize it's not game used, but you're talking about in the case of, you know, whether it be uh, LeBron who's still playing, you know, and yes, some of his jerseys do go for big money from NBA.com through their auction site. But, you know, some of them are going for 10, 20 ish thousand dollars. And in some cases, those cards of LeBron are selling for more. And all you're getting is a swatch of that jersey along with a signature. And so it just seems that there's a lot of opportunity for folks to think, let's say outside the box and not necessarily buy what the coolest, you know, newest jersey card or insert is. And thinking about, you know, macro, what's available in the marketplace for same or similar dollars in that space, meaning that, you know, the whole entire jersey, whether it be signed and or game used. So I'm going to switch gears for a minute and uh, give a shout out to my buddy who contacted me last week about a vintage hockey set from the late 50s. He was considering buying in the range of about $20,000. I think the gentleman wanted twenty-five. dollars He asked if he should offer $22,500. But then we started saying, hey, you know, maybe a $20,000 if you can get it for that, that would be a fair you know, a fair purchase for you. He's a collector and let's say an investor. He's not a dealer, does not do this full time. Doesn't really do this part time. Doesn't sell too much. And so he was asking my opinion on it. He was a little bit concerned. It was a late 50s Parky set. Parky being Parkhurst, uh, one of the manufacturers of Canadian hockey cards back in the 1950s um, and 1960s. Household name. So he was uh, asking my opinion about this particular set because it did not have any marquee rookie Hall of Fame player in it. And although it had a few Hall of Famers, the value was more in the fact that it was super high grade and it was vintage. So when he was asking me about the price and if he should pull the trigger, I was asking him, well, why are you thinking about buying it? He said, well, because I think that it's a good deal. I said, all right. If you think it's a good deal, do you think it's a good deal because you're going to sell it today? Or do you think it's a good deal because you're going to buy it today and you're going to sell it at some unknown time in the future? And he said, you know, I think it's a fair deal today, but I don't know when I'm going to sell it in the future. And I said, okay, so just follow my logic. If you want to, uh, his name is Justin. Justin, if you want to buy this set, what are you going to do with it? Well, I might upgrade it, i.e. meaning throw more money at it, 
But once again, he's not in love with it, just thinks it's a fair deal. And I said, truth be told, I would look at, and, I, and we use the number of $20,000, would you rather have a $20,000 marquee card or two $10,000 marquee cards, you know, meaning grail cards, type cards, you know, super important cards? Or would you rather have this smallish 50 or 60 card Parker set? And even though it might be worth the kind of money you're talking, Justin, it may not be that easy to sell because there's a very small market of folks who want, let's say, a high-grade late 50s Parkhurst set and that are willing to pay a premium for it. But yet, if you came to me, Justin, and said, I have a really valuable, super high-end Gordy Howe, or I have a Rocket Richard, Maurice Richard, early Parkhurst and super high-grade, that's going to be a lot easier for me to understand the value of and then, of course, to likely market. And so you certainly don't have to buy like that but I want to kind of take it back from 20000 and imagine that you're the person who has $200 and not 20000 because a lot more of us have $200 and 20000 So you might not think that $200 is a lot of money. And depending on what you're trying to buy, meaning if you're trying to buy a $20,000 Parkhurst set, well, it's not. However, if you're buying within your means, what I would caution you to do is to think about this $200 and think about all the different things you're going to buy into some breaks, you're going to buy some two or four or $6 cards. And before you know it, you'll be half gone through your budget. And then if you're lucky, you'll have $100 left to buy you know, a pretty decent card. The point being is that if you can, buy better quality always. That's not a rule if you're a collector and don't care about the money. But if you're a collector who cares a lot about collecting and a little bit about the money and you want to protect yourself long term, this is a lesson for you. This is what you should take from my conversation with Justin, that whether it be it's 20000 whether it be it's $200, don't be afraid to ask the doctor, yours truly, or for that matter, really anyone who's in your immediate circle of collectors, even if it's on a message board, don't be afraid to put something out on a Facebook post, like for example, in our Vintage Breaks Buy, Sell, Trade group. It's not just for buying. It's not just for selling. It's not even just for trading. Oftentimes people put out there a card and say, what do they think it's going to grade? You know, you want to help people in the community. And that's the value that I'm trying to bring here through every episode of Trading Card Therapy. And so I thought this lesson was prudent to share with you today because I think it really hit home for Justin. I don't believe he purchased that set. And the main reason is, is because he wants to see, hey, you know, what else might be out there in the hockey realm that is going to be a similar purchase in terms of dollars, but might be a little bit better off um, and a little bit more easily sold in the future if and when you decide to do that. That's my um, take on, you know, when you're kind of moving up uh, budgets, like I said, $200 versus $20,000, how to best manage it. There is no right or wrong, but if you're trying to end up with something substantial, you're better off trying to quote unquote color up and buy the best possible card or cards or item or items that you can afford uh, you know, within that budget. One of the uh, other topics that I wanted to cover today is there's been a lot of news in the hobby in regards to Prism Gold, Select Gold. And so typically Prism Gold and Select Gold have numbered editions of 10. And what's quite interesting about these cards is that they're not generally signed, meaning if they're like a Tom Brady, you know, sixth year or 15th year, they're not signed. They're just numbered. And although they might be visually appealing, stunning to some, 
certainly what's more crazy is the big dollars they're bringing. And so we were talking about here at Just Collective Vintage Breaks a little bit over the last few days about some of the astronomical prices that these low numbered prism gold and select gold cards are bringing, whether it be at fixed price, whether it be at auction. And so for full disclosure, I do not own any of those in my collection or in my inventory. So let me start by saying that. Next, seeing some of the numbers, what they're um, realizing at private sale or at auction is insane to me. You're talking about, in some cases, 12th year Tom Brady selling for as much as you can buy a good Tom Brady for. And so keep in mind that when a card is numbered, i.e. manufactured scarcity, and there's only 10 of them, although you might really like that because you're a Tom Brady guy, or you think that's a great investment, then understand that no matter what, and I know you can make the argument either way, only 10 people can own them, but what if they're all rich? What if all the people who own those cards just brag to each other at these cocktail parties across the world and, you know, none of us uh, peasants, we'll call us ourselves average Joes, if you will, um, common people, can ever own those cards. The point being is, why would you spend this kind of money for a card? And we were joking, like, you know that all that is is a machine at Panini or Upper Deck or Tops that's just, eh, right? It goes like one of 10, two of 10. And now you're telling me like that card's tens of thousands of dollars? I'm suggesting that if you had that kind of budget and you had that kind of money to deploy on cards like that, I might take a step back and re-educate myself on the space and what's possible to be had for those kinds of dollars. And I think you'll amaze yourself, kind of recapping the show from the beginning, you might be able to buy a whole LeBron James game used jersey and have it be signed. Or you might be able to buy a Tom Brady refractor rookie or a numbered rookie, um, or for that matter, a game used jersey. You know, instead of buying a select or gold prism numbered out of 10. And once again, this is only one man's opinion here, uh, the doctor, but there is so much great vintage cards, vintage being whatever your era is, right? So if it's the early 2000s, let's be honest, guys, it's 2021. I don't know how you define vintage, but 20 years ago, it's still kind of older at this point. And that's when Tom Brady's rookie year was. It was in the year 2000. So the notion that he has a card in the last few years that's tens of thousands of dollars, it wouldn't matter to me what card it is. Um, I could care less. There's so many other places I would deploy that money, and we'll talk about that on future weeks. Thanks for chiming in, Chris Coe. We're going to talk about Vintage Hall of Fame memorabilia on future episode of Trading Card Therapy, but I do extend that logic to that as well. One of the last things I wanted to cover before we get to our last topic is, please, if you have anything that you'd like to see me discuss at length or cover in a little bit more detail on our show here uh, every Tuesday, please drop me a line, Leighton, L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N at justcollect.com, and I'd be more than happy to discuss it on a future episode. Now, Ken... I have something I didn't uh, mention to you to start the show here. I want to show off a card. Okay. So the last thing I wanted to do, and I realize it's only one card, but I wanted to share with the audience, Ken, this whole idea of you have a super expensive card, meaning thousands of dollars, even though costs vary from company to company, knowing what your card will grade 
can make you a lot of money, not just picking the grading company. And you're going to see what I mean right now. So check out this gorgeous T206 Ty Cobb bat off shoulder graded by SGC and SGC3. Now, this is the good stuff I'm about to share, Ken, like the behind the scenes. I realize that the audience may not be able to see it from our live podcast. So what we're going to do, Ken, is we're going to put an image of this on our Instagram trading cards therapy page so that folks can see what I'm talking about. So Ken, at first glance, you look at it and it not only is gorgeous, but it looks like a lock three. But when you look at it a little bit more closely, the upper left has a little bit of, I like to call it a corner crease. And I've seen PSA in particular, Ken, beat the hell out of those cards for grades. Meaning give it a two, give it a two and a half. I knew this card was a three. However, what I didn't want to have happen was pay PSA hundreds of dollars and have that card be erroneously graded in my opinion. So because I, and I know, you know, you might say, well, how did you know that? Well, I've graded without exaggeration, tens of thousands of vintage cards and spent an aggregate between SGC and PSA millions of dollars on grading fees. So you start to get a knack for it. So we're going to share this with the audience and I want folks to know that I, Leighton Sheldon, the doctor, am here for you each and every week, not just on our show, but if you have a card that you're thinking about, hey, what's up, Nick? Thanks for joining us. What's up, Mike? Appreciate you uh, tuning in, Chris. If you have a card that is not graded, that you've been able to purchase in a collection or at a show like Daniel Lynch did recently at Philly, and by the way, you can check us out in just a few weekends at thephillyshow.com. We'll be there all weekend, Friday to Sunday. You can send me images of your raw vintage card direct to Leighton at JustCollect.com. And I will give you an idea of not only what I think it would grade, I will tell you what company I think you should grade it with. And on that note, folks, that is today's fifth episode of Trading Card Therapy. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week.